Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Jesus often spoke to the crowds in parables. These stories of everyday people and everyday places point us towards a spiritual story, a heavenly reality, if only we would look to see. Who do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who had mercy on him. My name is Susan. For those of you that don't know me, I'm actually the women's pastor at uh, our Mackenzie campus, and it's such a joy and a privilege to be here with you this morning. I just wanted to let you know a special something that happened for Jason and I. We got a promotion about a week and a half ago. We are now grandparents. The beautiful Aurelia Joy was born uh, Thursday week ago, and she's such a delight. (sighs) I could stand here for the next half an hour and just tell you stories about the last week and a half of her life, as I'm sure every grandparent in this room would totally understand. But we're actually talking about the stories that Jesus told. And as you might have gathered uh, from the the video, we are this morning talking about uh, the Good Samaritan. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the stories that you told, stories that have simple truths that affect our lives. God, stories that can change our lives, stories that point to our Saviour our need for a saviour today and for all of eternity. God, I pray that you would bless my words this morning, God, and have an impact through me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, whether you have been at church once, if this is your first morning, or you've been at church a thousand times, you'd know what it means to be a good Samaritan. It's actually become part of our vocabulary We know that a good Samaritan is someone who makes a great effort to help someone else in need. 
And it all started with the story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a great question that we should all ask. What do I have to do to live the kind of life that I was created for? But this guy is actually asking Jesus to try and trip him up. He thinks that he knows better than Jesus. And if he knows the law better than Jesus, then Jesus is a fraud and should be exposed. But Jesus answers this man's question with a question. Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The religious expert who was keen to show off his vast knowledge says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Well done, good student. Go to the top of the class. This guy successfully summarises all 600 Jewish laws into two in exactly the same way that Jesus does. Jesus says, do this and you shall live. But he wanted to justify himself. Do you ever try and do that? You know there's something that you should do and you're not doing it. Something that you should have done and you haven't done it. So you make excuses to justify yourself. My family have learnt this skill really well when it comes to putting dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Can I hear an amen from parents out there? In fact, I'm surprised that my kids even know where the dishwasher is in our house. These are the excuses that I regularly hear to justify themselves. I'm sorry, I didn't have time. I'm too busy. The dishwasher was already full. The dishwasher was clean. Jason just complains that I tell him he puts it in wrong, so there's no point in even trying. Which is true, by the way. He does put it in wrong, but that's beside the point. We all come up with excuses to justify why we didn't do what was required. And this guy wasn't sure if he had done what was required, so he tries to justify himself. He asks Jesus, Who is my neighbour? Who do I have to love? Do I have to love everyone? Or can I just love some people? Can I just love nice people? People like me? People that will love me back? Everyone listening to Jesus at this time knows that there's a, a popular debate going on amongst the rabbis. See, in Leviticus, we find where this command actually comes from. It says, do not hate your brother in your heart. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. So some of the rabbis would read this and say, well, obviously, my brother is my neighbour because he's in the text. Obviously, our people are my neighbour because they're in the text. And then there was some debate amongst the rabbis about the converts, people who had come into their religion from the outside, become part of their tribe. Some would say they counted as neighbours and some would say that they didn't. 
But every rabbi agreed who doesn't count as a neighbour. Gentiles don't count. Pagans don't count. And heretics don't count. Some people are neighbours and some aren't. Some deserve love and some don't. We should help some people when they're in need and the others you can just ignore. That's why this guy is asking Jesus this question. Jesus, where do you sit in the great neighbour debate? Can I be excused from loving some people? So Jesus tells him this story that's become one of his most well-known stories. We love this story. But Jesus actually got in a lot of trouble at the time for telling this story. It goes like this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, everybody who's listening is able to picture this scene. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was 25 kilometres long and notoriously dangerous. It's a very uh, narrow alley with hills all around it, filled with lots of nooks and crannies. A great place for robbers to hide and ambush travellers. It was a bad neighbourhood. If you went down this road by yourself, you were asking for trouble. This man goes down the road by himself, gets into a whole stack of trouble and is in desperate need of help. Now, I reckon we can all think of moments when we've been in desperate need of a neighbour. I remember a time um, when we as a family were in desperate need of help from a neighbour. We were coming back from a, a trip up to Cape York. And uh, if you know the, the road, the Telegraph Road, there's lots of creek crossings. And we were, we were going great guns. We were doing a great job with all the creek crossings until um, we got to one particularly deep and long creek crossing. And uh, unfortunately, that one didn't go so well. And it wasn't until we'd gone through this creek crossing that we somehow managed to put a hole in our radiator. Well, let me change that. Someone managed to put a hole in our radiator, and it wasn't me. And uh, we had to keep stopping constantly from then on to fill the radiator with water just to try and get off this track. And one such stop, this same unnamed person uh, went to the back of our camper trailer to get something out of our kitchen. And unbeknownst to us until many, many kilometres later, forgot to close the tailgate of the kitchen. So we found ourselves on the side of the road with no radiator, a car that wouldn't go anywhere, and absolutely no possessions to speak of. We'd lost everything. And as we stood on the side of the road in desperate need of help, I tell you, I wasn't fussy. I didn't care who came along because by that stage we had four screaming children, a crying wife and a very cranky husband and all we had was the shirts on our back. In fact, Jason didn't even have that because he'd been using his shirt to open the radiator every time we had to stop. We were desperate. And I tell you, 
couldn't have orchestrated it if we tried. Because not only did God send along one car, but he sent along two cars, a family that was travelling in convoy. And not only that, but both of the blokes were mechanics, diesel mechanics. Unbelievable. For the next two hours, this family stopped on the side of the road and tried to work on our car. Now, these guys were good Samaritans in disguise because they did the whole thing with a beer in one hand and expletives coming out constantly. But I tell you, I stood there going, God, these are angels. These are angels. Now, after two hours when they could not fix our car because it was a massive hole, instead what they did, because there was two cars... One towed our car back to the crossing where we could get help. The other car took me, which in hindsight is a little bit dangerous because I didn't really know them, um, but took me all the way back along the Telegraph Road until we came to the spot where all our stuff had been moved to the side of the track. They tied it to the roof of their car and then drove me all the way back to where Jason was. I'll tell you what. Good Samaritans in disguise, they were. And I know that this is a bit of an extreme example, but we all have moments when we are in desperate need of the help of others. Moments when we face something that is too much for us on our own and we need the help of friends. Moments when we say, I don't know how I would have done it without them. We all have moments like these in our lives, and some of you might be in one of those moments right now. We might lose someone that we love, have a sick child, get fired, marriage or close friendship falling apart. You feel lonely, vulnerable, wounded, and you can't pull yourself together and just get on with life. We need the help of others. And I believe that some people here this morning really need to hear these words. It's actually okay to need the help from others. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to admit that you're not okay. See, in the story Jesus is telling, this is one of those moments This man was alone, he was vulnerable, he was wounded, and he was unable to help himself. But don't worry, because good news is on the way. Just around the corner, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, this road isn't like the Gateway Motorway. It's not six lanes wide. Like I said, it's a tiny little alley. On the Jericho Road, you would have had to have swerved to miss somebody lying there. In fact, it was so skinny, you probably had to step over them to get past them. And that's what he did, a priest. He serves in the temple, he leads worship, he holds sacrifices. He had to be in a state of ritual purity. He had to be clean. See, in the written law, contact with a corpse would make him unclean. In oral law, contact with a Gentile would make him unclean. So Jesus tells this absolutely brilliant story where no one's actually sure if this guy is dead or alive. In fact, because he's got no clothes on and Jews dress differently to Gentiles, nobody can tell if he's a Jew or a Gentile. 
There's no way of this priest being able to tell if this man is an insider or an outsider. Is he dead or alive? Will he defile me? The priest doesn't know. If he turned out to be dead or a Gentile, it's an expensive, time-consuming process to get clean. It would mean seven days for this priest living outside the camp with the other sinners. So degrading for a priest. He'd have to make the appropriate sacrifice to become clean, which was a perfect, expensive red heifer. The priest knows that if he helps this guy, it will cost him dearly in time and money. It was easier to avoid him. He wasn't worth the effort. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. He also needed to stay ritually clean to work in the temple and it was inconvenient for him to help also. They had good excuses not to help this guy in need. It was expensive and it was inconvenient. Have you ever noticed that helping people can be expensive and extremely inconvenient? And I reckon we could all make excuses as to why we're unable to help someone in need. And here I've just pulled out three this morning from our story, three excuses. Firstly, it takes too much time. For the priest and the Levite in the story, weighing up the sacrifice of time was too big a cost. And it wasn't just the cost in that moment But the cleansing ritual would have taken an extreme length of time. And many of us find ourselves too busy. We make the excuses that we just don't have the time. There are too many people in need that we don't know where to start. We become overwhelmed with the need that we see and the time that we would have to sacrifice and decide that it's easier to do nothing. Secondly, we make the excuse that there is too much cost. The priest and the Levite would have weighed up the financial cost. It was considerable. The literal cost of the sacrifice was too big, too big to make the effort. And when we add up the financial cost of helping others, the needs can often seem too great. We don't have the resources to help everyone, so it's easier to do nothing. Lastly, I believe this is one of the the biggest excuses that we have, is too much fear. You can sense the fear in the priest and the Levite. It actually uh, says that they pass by on the other side. They got as far away on that narrow road as they could because lying there was an unknown, unclean and defiling person. Fear stopped them from reaching out and helping a man in desperate need. How often have we allowed fear to stop us from helping those in desperate need around us? Fear stops us from being courageous. It stops us being obedient to God's prompting. I mean, if it's God, surely I shouldn't be feeling fear, right? It's all just too much, too many, too hard. Fear is so debilitating. And I know it's a journey I've walked myself for many years. And we could all make excuses, though, 
to justify why we are unable to help someone in need. And right then, those listening to the story might be feeling justified in not doing anything to help those in need. No time, too costly, too afraid. Jesus finishes the story with someone who didn't make any excuses. In fact, what Jesus said next was completely unexpected to everybody who was listening. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This is not what they were expecting. A Samaritan. We call him the Good Samaritan, but back in those days, there was no such thing. They hated Samaritans. They were their enemies. In fact, they were half-breeds and heretics. They thought it was an insult to God to spend time with a Samaritan. But Jesus goes and makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. He has pity on the man in need. He bandages him, pours oil and wine. He puts him on his donkey and takes him somewhere safe. He pays his bills. He willingly took the time to help the man on the side of the road. He willingly paid the cost to see the man healed and well. And he willingly set aside any fear that might have stopped him and showed mercy. A Samaritan of all people acted out of compassion and did whatever he could to help the one in need. Jesus says to the expert of the law, which of these three was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? This story really hurts. The Samaritan was closer to God's heart than the priest, the Levite, or the expert in the law. And the expert can't even bring himself to say the man's name. He replies, the one who had mercy on him. The religious expert wanted neighbour defined to justify not loving people different to him. But Jesus tells this story and points to a highly unlikely person as a good neighbour to the needy. He tells this story to explain that there are no excuses to lack compassion to those different from us. There's no way to justify a lack of love for those who are suffering and in need because everyone has value to God. Everyone in need is worth the effort. But Jesus goes further than defining who our neighbour is. He defines how to be a good neighbour. Jesus said simply, go and do likewise. The priest sees the person in need and goes away from him without doing anything. The Levite sees the person in need and he too goes away without doing anything. The Samaritan sees the person in need, goes to him and does whatever it takes to help. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Jesus is saying to us, don't be a person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. It's inconvenient being a good Samaritan. 
The Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' most famous parables because we know it's good to help people in need. And I believe we want to help people in need. We want to be a Good Samaritan. We just don't know if we can. We don't have the time or the ability to help everyone. We see so much suffering in the world. We see so many needs in our own community, our church family and our own families. We see so many people in need in our world. Jesus says, don't be a person who sees the need and goes away and does nothing. So what do we do? I actually just want to give us a very simple, practical suggestion this morning. It's very profound. You ready for it? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. The last thing that I want to do this morning is make everyone feel guilty and run around trying to help everyone. I don't believe that that's the point Jesus is trying to make in this story. We need to be listening to the prompts of God as he shows us the people in our world's that need a healing touch from him and love fearlessly. Love without fear. Just the other week, I was waiting at a bank teller behind an old man who I would describe as looking a little unkept. And he was there for ages trying to get the teller to work and eventually he pulls back and he goes, "It's, it's not working. And I had cash to deposit, so I thought, well, the other one wasn't working. I've got to give this one a go before I leave. So I step up, and I must admit I got a bit nervous because he hovered just over here as I had my cash in my hand to deposit, and I got it to work. It was was a simple matter, deposited my cash, and as I went to walk away, I felt like God prompted me. So I turned around and I said to the man, would you like me to help you try and get the teller to work? And he said, yes, 30 seconds of my day. That's all it took, and this man couldn't stop thanking me. Now, it's not something massive like picking up a dead person off the side of the road, but as I'd been in the process of preparing and thinking through this story, it made me realise how many promptings God gives us throughout the day to be a good Samaritan to those around us, to show simple love and kindness to those in need, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to everyone that we come across, Sometimes in the simplest of circumstances, we don't have to overcomplicate it or be overwhelmed by it. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I've had the, uh, the privilege of taking teams of women to bloom in Cambodia that Dave was talking about uh, before since 2010, um, our vocational training school that we established to help girls at risk And I remember in the early days being overwhelmed by the obvious need that I saw everywhere. Poverty, beggars, sex trafficking. And Ruth's words, Ruth is the the lady uh, who went over to establish Bloom from Gateway. And she said to me some words that have really stuck with me ever since. She said, I actually find the need overwhelming too. But I've learnt to pray and ask God that he would show me the ones that he wants me to notice. I can't do it for everyone. I can't fix the whole problem, but I can do it for the ones. And I've got to trust the rest to him and not allow myself to be overcome by the enormity of all the problems. It's great advice. And you know, by noticing the ones and loving them fearlessly, 
Bloom has now trained up over 200 girls who now have a certificate in hospitality and they have hope for the future. But more important than that, each and every one of them knows Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And the great news is that those ones that God prompted Ruth to notice, many of them are now evangelising in their own communities and discipling other people in faith. See, it's not just about the 200 lives changed, but whole communities redeemed, the investment multiplying. When we're faithful to do what God asks us to do, he is able to do immeasurably more. Do you believe that? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone and love them fearlessly. How do we love fearlessly the ones? Three things I want to encourage you with. To love fearlessly, we need to go deep, not wide. The Samaritan goes the extra mile for this guy. He pays for his room for a, week, a few weeks and if it's not enough, he says, I'll pay the rest when I get back. This is a significant investment of time and money in this guy to see him healed. You can't do that for everyone, but you can do it for someone. Invest deeply into the lives of a few, your family, your friends, your life group, your church family. You can't help every person in need, and I can't either, but together we can. This story is a great picture of the church in action, a healing community. See, when we get beaten up, someone else helps to pick us up and put us back on our feet. The Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Many of you um, would have heard me talk last time I was here about our daughter Bronte who had been quite sick with anorexia and uh, she'd been sick for quite a few years and it was the darkest, longest period of our lives. And I uh, got to the point where I just knew that I had nothing left spiritually, emotionally, physically. And my dear friend Anne came to me one day and she says, I believe God has told me to walk this journey with you for a season. And I'm so grateful that Anne listened to the promptings of God because she carried an incredible burden on our behalf. She made meals for us. She organised other people to make meals for us. She prayed. She constantly sent me texts and words of encouragement. She drove me to appointments that I had and sat just waiting in the car, praying for however long the appointment took. In fact, she, I was teaching at the time and she even made me school lunches, which nobody's ever done for me since I was a student myself. It felt weird, but I had packed lunches. Anne loved me fearlessly and my family during that season. It was inconvenient and yet she carried us through a season when I had nothing left myself. Go deep, not wide, with the ones that God gives you. To love fearlessly, we need to go time, not just money. It's easy to justify not getting personally involved with people in need by giving our money rather than time. Now, don't get me wrong. We should give generously. We encourage everyone in our church to give generously because all our ministries reaching out to people in need need money. But I believe God has called us to spend time with people in need, people who need Jesus. See, don't get to the end of the year and be someone 
that says, I don't think God really used me to change anyone's life this year, but I supported all of those who did. Don't be that person. You know, it wasn't long after um, Bronte was well again that I met Mel. Mel and her family were going through some similar circumstances with their girls that we'd just been through. And because of what we journeyed through as a family, I was able to walk alongside them. It wasn't always convenient. It was a massive investment in time and lots of tears. And sometimes I wondered how I would get anything done or anything checked off my to-do list. But as I was faithful to love Mel the way that God had asked me to, he was faithful to me. And I never went without I never missed a deadline. In fact, my life became richer. Now I have the privilege of calling Mel my friend and I've watched as she's grown. Her family are doing well. In fact, all of them are serving faithfully in the church. Mel is heavily involved in women's ministry and now influencing the lives of others. Go time, not just money. It's worth the effort. And lastly, to love fearlessly. Go long-term, not short-term. See, the Samaritan looked after the man until he was well. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, it's not a five-minute fix more often than not. The healing process can take time. Commit to people long-term. You know, earlier, again, we talked about Bloom, and at Bloom, they have a mentoring program for uh, the girls that come, a leader walking alongside what they call a beneficiary, one of the girls that have come in. And uh, just recently, I heard a story from Ruth about one of the beneficiaries, whom, for the sake of the story, I'm going to call Mary. And Mary's mentor's name is Satya. For five years, Satya has mentored Mary. She's loved on her. She's walked the journey with her. She's shown incredible love and kindness and grace as Mary has been going through what you can imagine is a very difficult healing process. And Mary came to Satya just recently and she said to her, I've been watching you. I've been watching you for five years years. I've been waiting for you to make a mistake. I've been waiting for you to get cranky at me, to do the wrong thing, to be inconsistent in the way that you treat me. And you haven't. You've kept loving me and you've kept showing me kindness. And because of that, now I know that your God is the true God. Now your God is my God. See, in a Buddhist culture where there is so many gods that you can believe in, Mary recognised through Satya's actions and through her love, through the long term, where the true God was, who the true God was. I tell you, God is good and he is at work. Commit to walk the long-term journey with people, not just the short-term. Because everyone is worth the effort. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I'm just going to ask the band to come up. I could tell you lots of stories like this that haven't ended that well and some more that have. 
But I'm encouraged by this verse in Galatians. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's easy to get weary doing good. It's tiring helping people in need. It's inconvenient and it's costly. And at times, it's overwhelming. But we know it's the right thing to do. And we know there's times when we need others to help us. It's why Jesus says, love your neighbour as you would want to be loved yourself. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, there will be a harvest. It's not gonna happen by some super program or super leader or super event. It's gonna happen if we all love fearlessly the ones in our world the way that Jesus would if he was here. Invite them to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. You can't change the world for everyone, but you can change the world for someone. And if we all did what we wish we could for everyone, the world would change. If we all did for one what we wish we could do for everyone, the world would change because everyone is worth the effort. You know, Jesus himself demonstrated that everyone was worth the effort. The parable of the Good Samaritan points us to a Saviour. When we were at our, when we were the greatest enemies of God, when we were in our greatest need, He showed us incredible mercy and saved us from death. We didn't deserve it. We certainly didn't do anything to earn it. But out of His incredible love for you and for me, He sent His one and only Son into the world to die a painful death on a cross that we would be healed, redeemed and have life forevermore. That's an incredible story. And this morning, I wanna give the opportunity to you if you don't know Jesus that way, if you haven't said yes to Him, if you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour, as the one who came to rescue you from sin and darkness, I'm gonna give you that opportunity this morning to make sure you leave here knowing Jesus as your personal Saviour. I wonder if everybody could close their eyes. If that is you this morning and there is a longing in your heart, you actually uh, feel more familiar with the man on the side of the road than the Samaritan. You feel in pain, in desperate need. There's a hole in your heart that you don't know how to fill. I wanna tell you this morning, that hole can only be filled by Jesus. Jesus, who came like the Good Samaritan, reached out His hand to us, to a broken and hurting world and showed incredible love. If that's you this morning and you want to know that Saviour, that Jesus personally, you want Him to reach out His hand and rescue you, can I encourage you right now just to put your hand up wherever you are. I want to pray a prayer with you and set you on a journey of relationship with God. Is there anyone here this morning Put your hand up if that's you this morning. Oh, 
good. Now, while our eyes are closed, I want to ask you this. Do you believe this morning that everyone is worth the effort? Like I said, we're called to simply do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. The expert in the law came to Jesus and asked him, who is my neighbour? And as we're bowed before Jesus right now, in your heart, I want you to ask him the same question. Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who is it that you want me to show love to? I believe that as we come to God and ask this question, such an important question, who is the one God? What's the name that you're putting on my heart? I believe he will do that. Take hold of that name right now. Oh God, show us. Show us the way that we can love these ones that you are giving us, God, the ones that you've called us to, the ones that you're putting in our hearts right now. God, would you help us to love fearlessly, love without fear, love without worrying about what they're going to say or react, but love fearlessly the ones that you call us to love, to live open-handedly and live generous lives that reflect the incredible love that you have poured out on us. God, help us. Help us to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone because we will see our community, our nation and our world changed if we do for one, the one that you give us, what we wish we could do for everyone. Oh God. Amen. You know, I really want to encourage you to uh, download the, uh, it's not the screensaver, it's the wallpaper. Got to get the lingo right. I want to encourage you to download this wallpaper for this week. Each week we have a new wallpaper for our parables. And this one is love fearlessly. And there's so many times in the day where we pick up our phone and I, I, I want for you, if you've got that as your wallpaper, every time you see it, to be praying for that one to be asking God for opportunities, to love them fearlessly, to show the love of Jesus to them. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. As we stand together right now and sing this song, I'm gonna get the prayer team uh, to come down the front. That that is an indication to stand, yep. (laughs) It's hard to know how to make that clear, but... Can I get our prayer team to come down the front now? You know, you might be holding that one in your hand and you feel the challenge of it, the time, the cost, fear. But you know that's the person God's putting on your heart. You want somebody to stand alongside you, to pray courage into you, pray for opportunities. A prayer team would love to do that this morning. I actually believe there's some people here who need to know freedom from fear. You know, fear is such an incredible tool of the enemy that disables us and takes us out far too many times. If that's you this morning, don't leave here going, oh, I just wish that I had had prayer, that I could be set free from fear because that is what God can do. 
And you can have a church family standing alongside you, cheering you on, praying for you, holding you up in your time of need. If that's you this morning, if fear, you know, is overwhelming you, and I, and I reckon um, for those people, if my journey's anything to go by, fear is overwhelming you right now and just one foot in front of the other feels too hard. Can I encourage you, be courageous this morning. Take those steps, one step after the other in fear, Get somebody to stand alongside you and pray. Pray for release. Pray for healing. Pray for freedom from fear. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.